This Quietcast podcast is brought to you by Ideas Digest. I'm Conrad. And I'm Matt. Each week, two optimistic Aussie blokes Very explore optimistic. new <laughs> challenging ideas outside of our echo chamber on our totally realistic quest to achieve world peace, maybe some personal enlightenment. Is that too much of an oversell? Nah, just roll the montage. Okay. I'm right and you're wrong. What are you talking about? Straight men enjoy gay sex. What? The Bible is extremely pro-abortion. Why the hell should I trust you now? Don't define me by what I do in bed. Do you think that kick us out? I've done psychedelics 150 times in my life. You still choose to ejaculate to that. Oh my God. You can have a wife and a girlfriend. This guy just gets your face. Rubs that in. Break your bias. Each week, anywhere you get your podcast, tune in. It's going to be an amazing time. Amazing. <laughs> Give us. <laughs> Hi friends, I'm Tim Whitaker and welcome to the New Evangelicals podcast. The New Evangelicals is an inclusive, Jesus-centered community that holds space for people marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and helps you explore the Christian tradition beyond the basement of evangelical fundamentalism. This podcast is part of that work, so join us as we talk to people from all walks of life, lending their expertise and wisdom to us as we renegotiate our faith and find better paths forward. Well, hey, friends, Noah here, the producer for the New Evangelicals podcast, and wow, I just finished editing this conversation that Tim had with Amy Fritz, and buckle up, this is going to be a pretty crazy conversation. Amy Fritz is the host of the Untangled Faith podcast, and in this episode, she sits down with Tim to discuss her experience and her husband's experience working for the Ramsey Solutions Company, which if you don't know, is the company owned by Dave Ramsey, who's a a very popular, uh, self-proclaimed, biblically-based financial advisor. In this episode, Amy really goes into a lot of detail about the records and the data that we have about this organization, as well as experiences they had there with abuses of power and dishonesty and a lot of the corruption that's gone on behind the scenes is has really been recently revealed to the public eye. This conversation was so eye-opening for me, and I really appreciated Amy's honesty in sharing the experiences that she had with this organization. Friends, if you like this show, if it's a meaningful part of your week, as always, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you're listening to this. It really helps push it to more people who are trying to disentangle our faith from this evangelical culture we grew up in, like you and me. The New Evangelicals is an entirely donor-supported nonprofit organization. We don't put paywalls up behind any of the content we create. Everything is free and accessible to anyone that might find value from it. And because of that, we're supported by listeners like you. If you'd like to consider becoming a monthly donor, please consider checking out the link in the show notes of this episode to learn a little bit more about that. Well, anyways, friends, as always, enjoy the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Before we get to the interview, I need to remind you that we are headed to Theology Beer Camp October 18th in Springfield, Missouri, and friends, let me tell you, this event is stacked. We have amazing theologians like Pete Enns, Adam Clark, Sarah Lane Ritchie, Grace Junesum Kim, and Thomas J. Ord, many of which have been on the podcast, by the way. We have amazing podcasts showing up, like You Have Permission with Dan Koch, The God Who Riots with Damon Garcia, A Tiny Revolution with Kevin Garcia, and of course, yours truly. And this year, the music lineup is out 
of control. See Derek Webb, Flamey Grant, Trey Pearson, and more perform live. Over two dozen TNE folks have already bought their tickets, and now is the time to get yours. Use promo code TNEGODPOD for $25 off your ticket and come ready to explore better ways forward in your faith, meet amazing people, and if you like beer, well, your ticket includes an unlimited amount from several local breweries. This is going to be an amazing time, so get your ticket via the link in the show notes and use promo code TNEGODPOD for $25 off your ticket. I will see you in October. All right, Amy Fritz on the New Evangelicals podcast. You are the host of your own podcast, Untangled Faith. It's good for you, uh, good to be here with you. So thank you for, for making time. Yes, it's so fun. You know, talking to other podcasters is the easiest podcast interview. You never run out of things to talk about. Well, I was going to ask you, whenever I get asked to be on someone else's podcast, I always say yes, because I'm like, oh my God, you want me to talk about me and not interview someone? Absolutely. So do you feel the same way? Yeah. Well, I think podcasters can hide behind interviews as a way to not really share their own thing or their own opinions. And so I'm like, put your voice out there. I want to hear what you actually think. So it's kind of fun to be able to use my voice here. Awesome. Well, before we get into today's uh, main topic, I do want to know some of your background. I mean, did you grow up in in evangelical spaces? You hold, uh, you you host a podcast called Untangled Faith. Uh, Give me some of the background and why you started the podcast. Yeah, I have all the credentials of growing up in white evangelical church. Uh, Focus on the family played in the background. That was like the soundtrack of my life. Focus on the family played by my mom on the radio in the house. And when we were driving, if I was in my dad's truck, it would be talk radio, conservative talk radio. Rush Limbaugh (laughs) would be playing. Yes, this was my spiritual formation would be. All those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I believed what they said. I believe they believed what they said. Um, and then, you know, as I was growing up and seeing that life didn't look exactly the same way and didn't follow all the same rules, that if I did all the things that James Dobson said I should do, that life would be great. You know, life is messy. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of grief. Uh, I lost my mom really suddenly as a young adult. I'm going to turn off my phone here. Um, and, you know, you just start ask, asking some questions and realizing that some of this legalism stuff that happens is not helpful, um, not actually in the Bible, a lot of these things. And like what is actually true and real and what stands up to scrutiny and Jesus stands up, stands up to scrutiny. The truth holds up to scrutiny. And so my podcast is sort of about my journey of untangling, because I my podcast is called Untangled Faith, like untangling and unbundling. Sky Jatani says uses the term unbundling, yeah. all those extra things that should never have been a part of our faith to begin with. And it kind of came out of disillusionment and discouragement in the white evangelical church where I'm like, I believe Jesus is who he says he is, but I think a lot of people are co-opting him and I don't want to be one of those people who does. I want to hold on to my Mm. faith uh, while untangling it from all the crap. So that's my thing. And have had several things along the way that, you know, was like, you know what, it's time to talk. It's time to speak. And we have some, some big bumps along the way. And some of that we're going to talk about today. 
Yeah, well, th- I mean, thanks for sharing that. And of course, welcome to the party. You know, as we both know, there's been a real explosion over the past eh, maybe three to four years of of a lot of us kind of waking up and being like, something kind of stinks, you know, in this white evangelical space. And I'm not sure what it is. And then you start kind of pulling those threads. And before you know it, you have a podcast and yeah. you're just trying your best to navigate a new way forward. So thanks for sharing that. I do want to ask, and then we'll hop into you know the topic. Mm-hmm. Was there any, for you, was your journey of unentangling, um, was it like um, a lot of things that kind of added up or was it like a moment where you went, mm, that was the moment where I knew something was way wrong? It was little things. It, it was just a, a, a journey, you know, people use the word journey. It's just overused, but like, I can't think of a better <laughs> yeah. word. Like right. it yeah. was little things. It was like, oh, that Christian school that I went to growing up, even with my parents talking, talking with them, we're like, that was a little messed up. That was a lot of legalism. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of rules about like your skirt had to be this long and your hair had to be this short if you were a guy and how, what kind of earrings you could wear. And I remember my mom saying at some point, I wish we would have just sent you to the different school down the road that was like, we love Jesus, but we don't have all these extra rules. And so it was kind of cool that my parents, my mom in particular, was sort of on that journey with me of like, you know, we did the best we knew, but now we have have some regrets (laughs) along with you. And I think, first of all, it was seeing the the legalism and sort of... uh, and watching, you know, some of these things implode, you know, the IBLP stuff. Like I had friends yeah. that were really close in the Gothard world. And then realizing, I started like following those stories in like 2010 and realizing, oh my goodness, this is a messed up thing, you know? And so it was like little things, uh, little things along the way. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So you, you reached out to me because you have quite the story to tell. <laughs> um, do, you're... Yeah. Your husband uh, worked for a little known figure named Dave Ramsey, who I've never heard of before. <laughs> he sounds like he's some some no name YouTube guy. Yeah, uh, some no name gives, YouTuber. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> he gives financial <laughs> advice. Uh, that's what he's most well known for. He's syndicated. I mean, he. I think his radio show is like number two or number three in the country. Um, yeah. You know, even in the secular world. So he's not just a Christian uh, world. I have some guy, questions about those numbers. Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how they measure that, but the fact is that he's very popular. And <laughs> I also, he actually was, was recently at an event I was at, which was uh, Turning Point America's uh, uh, Pastor Pastors Summit. Conference. Yeah. But why? So, why was he there at the Pastors well, Summit? I have, you know, when, when you interview me, I'll tell you my thoughts on that. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, this is that. not about me in this episode. But, you know, for you, your, your husband worked for Dave Ramsey for how long? Uh, 2012 until 2019. Wow. So, okay. So bad. let's start from the beginning of this. You know, so how did your husband even get involved working with Dave Ramsey? Uh, his wife, me. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you know, we were sort of in this small town feeling like stuck and discouraged and like we wanted out. We wanted something different. My husband worked for the college that we had met at and then both of us worked at um, this small Bible college in, uh, you know, west of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And, you know, there were some things that were just really frustrating and you can't make a living. It's hard to support your family. Um, and so I was a fan of John Acuff in 2011 and John Acuff was writing about this new job that he got and how he was like so excited about it. And he, I think he'd written the book quitter, um, about, you know, finding his dream job. And I was like, oh, he works for Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. I like Johnny Cuff. 
what he's saying about Dave is interesting. And, you know, we weren't big Dave fans, but like I knew who he was. And so I ended up, you know, seeing a like a, a clip or like they do like a, a new book was coming out. Dave's book about his how he runs his business entree leadership, I think came out in the fall of 2011. And there was like this, you can get a chapter for free to read. And I was like, so I had, you know, given my email address and I read this chapter and I was like, Oh my goodness, this sounds like Disney world. This sounds amazing. Mm. You know, Dave tells a story about being at some big uh, work event with his son, Daniel. And Daniel was a teenager at the time, I think, and how he took Daniel aside and was like, Daniel, what do you see when you look across all this group? And Daniel's like too many kids because <laughs> there's a lot of young families. Yeah. And Dave's like, in the book, Dave says, I just want you to know that these people's livelihood depends on our character, basically. Like, if you mess up, it impacts those people. If I mess up, mm-hmm. it impacts those people. And I was like, he loves these people. He really cares about them. Why? That sounds like an amazing place to work. And they're not a nonprofit, so maybe you can make money working for him. So I looked to see if they had any openings, and they had a web developer position. And my husband was currently working in like technology. He'd never worked full time as a web developer, but the description was so amazing. And I thought, oh, they let you submit a code sample, so they can actually you can prove that you know what you do. So I I suggested it to my husband. Didn't tell him where it was. I read the whole thing, the description of the job, and he was like, that's amazing. I was like, well, it's in Nashville. And so he decided we, he decided to apply and we ended up getting down the road. And I say weak, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but I was interviewed. I was interviewed for my husband's job. Okay. This wait, is part pause, of the story. Pause, pause, pause. Hold on. Let, <laughs> all right. Pause. Now the narrator is going to interject here. Okay. So what you're telling <laughs> me is that so far what I have is that uh, you guys are looking for something different. You discovered mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey kind of through the grapevine, sounded great on paper, Sounds yeah. like he really cares about his employees. Oh, they have a web developer job open. My husband, you should apply. Wink, wink. I applied for him. He gets the job. Or, or you're going I didn't through apply. the process. He applied. He applied. I told him to do okay. it. Okay. Yeah. You're going through the process and now you're also being interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. They do a spousal interview. Okay. Should that have been a red flag? Yes. Hmm. Did we want out of our situation so much that we were willing to not actually see red flags? Absolutely. <laughs> And I had read Dave's book. I had read the book. By this point, I got the whole book because I had requested it from the library at the college. So I didn't have to buy it because, you know, frugal yeah. Amy. And uh, yeah, I <laughs> and I knew there was, a, there was a chapter in there about interviewing. And they're like, we always do a meeting with the spouse to make sure because we know how important that relationship is. And we want to make sure that they aren't married to somebody crazy that distracts them from their work and that isn't really on board. Make sure they're not married okay. to crazy. And I was like, all right, I'm not crazy. I'm going to pass this with flying colors. So <laughs> what do they interview about, though? Like, like, what are the questions, you know, because you're not being yeah. employed by the company. You're just you're right. just auxiliary I was not being employed by the company. And the right. fact that it is illegal to even ask questions about marital status is really interesting. Like, how do they get to the point of, hmm. you know, because you can't discriminate based on marital status. So even knowing that right, somebody is point. married. Is an interesting good thing. point. So yeah, right. I think people okay. volunteer that information, right? They're so excited. They're like, I know what this place is about. If I volunteer all this information that sounds like the kind of person they would want to hire, they won't even have to ask you, right? And do you do you think that like 
Do you think that like in, in, in a weird way, some people could say, wow, I love that they want to make sure that me and my partner are working well together for this job. I'm not saying it, it's healthy, yeah. but I'm saying, do you think yeah. someone can kind of twist it in their head to think, oh, this is different. This actually might, might be a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. They want to support our family. They want right. to support our marriage. Yeah. So they scheduled me for a, you know, I don't know if it was a Zoom or what it was in 2011, the fall of 2011. Um, but I remember I was stood up the first time I was waiting and waiting and something happened where they didn't come. And so they had to reschedule. Okay. But what I was asked was basically, do you understand that we have a gossip policy? And what happens if your husband comes home and he is unhappy with his job? What would you tell him? How would you handle that? Now, Tim, I had read the book, so I knew the answers. And I didn't feel like it was a bad answer. I was like, right. I would I would tell him to talk to his boss. Now, they don't use the word boss. They are very specific about using the word leader, team oh. member. So um, I would tell him to talk to his leader. I would encourage him to do that. And so that was the right answer. And they just talked about what it was like to live in the area. And huh. asked me some questions, and I was so I was just overwhelmed with excitement and I ex about the idea of moving there for the job, and I communicated that, and it was all you know genuine. I was really excited about it. I gotta admit, I I don't know if I've met a lot of people who are who were ecstatic about their husband's job that would also make them move to a new location to work. Well, for you, what what at the time? What made you so excited about like doing this? Like, what was it for that's you? That's a good question. Yeah, I think that's a good question because it it speaks to the situation that we were in. We just mm. sort of felt like we were in a dead end position where we were at, where our house was like literally and figuratively underwater, depending on the weather. Um, we were in this tiny little town in Minnesota where winter never ends. Um, and the idea of going somewhere where the weather was nicer, where we could make a little bit more money, we'd probably just rent out our house while we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. Like, let's just get out of here. Like, I just, we just wanted out of our situation so much. And they sounded like they really cared about their employees. And we were excited about the mission, like make a, make a, be able to pay our bills, be a part of like helping people with their finances and then like secretly helping them find Jesus and the, in the, you know, maybe subversively like giving them a little gospel along the side. Cause that happens with people from time to time. Like totally. what was the downside? Right. Sure. It would be far away from everything and everyone we knew, but why not? I, I, what I hear you saying is like you were down for adventure. It was exciting. Something I was, new, I was frontier. down for adventure. Yeah. I trusted that this was going to be a great experience for us. And I knew my husband right. was amazing at whatever he did. So I wasn't worried about that part. Okay, so you have the interview. Your husband has the interview. You get he gets the job, right? He gets the yeah, job. Yeah. You pack up your stuff. You go from Minnesota, home of the Mighty Ducks movies, personal favorites of mine. Full transparency <laughs> yes, yes. to Nashville, which I mean, listen, Nashville. Just the name is like ooh, music, artists, famous people. It, it has That's like right. an allure all on on in its own right. And now you're going to work for a company, or your husband is that you're excited for him to start working with because they match your value. So at this yeah. point, I just picture you and your, your husband as like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed, just excited and ready so to roll. Much. That is exactly okay. right. We, and we got a rental in Franklin, Franklin, Tennessee, like this idyllic, like little suburb where like right. you just walk down the road and be like, well, hello, Chris Tomlin. Hello. Right. You know, like, <laughs> 
Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I'm interrupting to let you know that we have brought back our Many Hands Make Light Work giving campaign. Through September, any new monthly donation of $5 or more a month or a one-time donation of $30 or more will get you entered to win some really cool prizes like Mad Priest Coffee, free merch, co-host a podcast episode with me, or you could win the first ever TNE mystery box curated by yours truly. If any of our work, including this podcast, has been helpful for you as you you find better paths forward in your faith, would you consider donating to help others along their journey? Your generosity keeps our content completely paywall free and accessible to all. Click on the link in the show notes and set up your donation and join in on the work as we help carve better paths forward in our faith. Already a monthly donor but want to enter? Increase your donation by $1 or more and you're in. God doesn't choose favorites and neither does TNE. Winners are not divinely inspired. It will be drawn at random from all eligible entries after the campaign ends on Saturday, September 30th. Now, at this point in your in, in your faith journey, were you pretty much still all in in like the white evangelical culture or were you starting to have some doubts? Uh, you know, I was willing to like I wanted more nuance in our culture. Yeah. I didn't love that. Sure. I didn't love them being married politically to the Republican Party. And like I really wanted everybody to just settle down a bit and not be such jerks about everything. But I was pretty much you know, trusting that that really the problems were outliers and, you know, it wasn't really a systemic issue. There's a few bad apples here and there, but like for the most part, everything's good. Yeah. So we, we got there and we were, we were just really, really happy. And, you know, we had one of the initial moments of like, Oh, Ooh, maybe something isn't perfect is, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd met with one of the wives and, I was asking her some questions. We had been given a cost of living calculator to help us like plan. And it really gave us the cost of living for like all of Tennessee when all of Tennessee is a little different than like Nashville area is a lot more expensive. And right. I was like, oh, I wish we had had a better idea of how expensive this area was. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. It's probably gossip, right? Like all of a sudden I was like, oh, am I gossiping? Right. And she, and she says, it's no big deal. Like things aren't really as good here as people say they are. And we had just moved there. And I was like, oh, my word. I cannot Uh-oh. entertain. I can't entertain <laughs> Red that. flag Tim, alert. Like, Red flag alert. My brain was like, nope. Mm. No, no. No, that is danger. Like, the, <laughs> if you've ever heard of betrayal blindness, that that uh, that kicked in real hard for me. Like, my subconscious was like, she can't really afford to, I, you know, entertain that idea. So right. we are going to decide that that person that said that is probably the problem. So I was yeah, like, yeah, Jezebel she's probably, she's like not that, a good know. culture fit. <laughs> she's the problem. She's not a right. good culture fit. Okay. But, you know, it was always sort of like tucked away. And so in my brain, never really fully went away, but I jumped on board real quick. I took over the women's Facebook group called Lampo Ladies, the, which is a crazy name of a group, but like the legal name of the company is Lampo. And so they had a Facebook group for the women that work there or like uh, the women who are married to guys that work there. And like, I took over adminning it with a friend and I would like help new people that moved into town, help them find places, you know, tell them all about the area. I would drive them around when they came for an interview if their husband was being interviewed. I would plan events. Like I was all in because I wanted people to have a good experience. I didn't want them to meet somebody and have them say on their first week there, it's not really as good as you think. <laughs> right. I, I didn't want that to happen to them. Yeah. How quickly did you jump into doing that? Like how many months into this? 
several, <laughs> just a few, okay. not very yeah, many, so, so, but that's yeah, kind of who saying, I am. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I'm very much that way too. Like if I believe in yeah. something, I'm all in very quickly. Um, yeah. Okay. So you're a few months in, husband's working the job, you're running the the Facebook group for the women. Okay, <laughs> yes. I'll roll with that. Um, yes. when, when, when are there seeds for you that maybe were planted that now start getting watered of like doubt of like, uh-oh, I'm not sure if like everything is passing the smell test. You know, the very first thing was I think either the fall of 2013-ish or 14, where uh, they had put out an article that was on their website called, you know, like things rich people do. And it was like this list, like they go to the gym, they don't go out to eat, they read this many books, they do all these things. And it created quite an uproar online. Rachel Held Evans wrote about it. Other people had had weighed in. And I was like, oh, this article is bad. Mm. I know the difference between correlation and causation. And I felt like the person who wrote it was just like, this doesn't work for people in poverty. You can't like go to the gym your way out of debt. And I wish there was more nuance, but Dave got super mad about it. And he just doubled down on being such a jerk about it. And I I felt terrible. Sean Groves had written a blog post about it and I left a comment on it. In fact, the article wasn't even written in-house. They just shared it from some other guy that they thought it was great. And Mm. I'm like, I wonder if this I wonder if this author doesn't know the difference between correlation and causation. And the author actually chimed in and he actually didn't. He said he basically had his own approach to data. And I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing. You know, my husband works for Ramsey. They're promoting this guy who doesn't even know what correlation and causation, the difference between that is. And I just remember Nathan saying they had had some sort of meeting and Dave was so mad about people talking about it. And I thought for sure, because I had left a comment that I had lost Nathan his job. Now, that is the weirdest thing to be afraid of. Nobody should have right. to be fearful that they give gentle pushback that they would cost their husband their job. But I think that was the first time where I had like this deep fear, like, oh, no, I did something terrible. I'm going to get Nathan in trouble. And I'm not even mm. working there. They're going to somehow right. scour the Internet and find me. That wow. is not a normal fear. That's not normal. Yeah, I mean, it can be normal in high control environments, right? Or like high control, yes. like church environments. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, usually in the workplace, leaving a comment. I mean, I used to work for Apple and I was yeah. not afraid of leaving a negative comment on like a blog post about a product that I thought sucked. You know, I wasn't worried about yeah. losing my job because of that or something. Okay, so yeah. you're like three, four years in, this article comes yeah. out, it kind of explodes. Dave is pissed because people don't like it. Um, yeah. And and then there was you, another explosion. Yeah. And I don't know if you were following along around the time, but there came out yeah, an ahead. article probably within the next year from Matthew Paul Turner on the Daily Beast called Spies, Cash, and Fear, talking about something that had happened internally. And I could not say that it had ha- not happened because it definitely had happened. In one team meeting, um, they have a, a staff meeting every Monday. Um, as long as everybody's in town, all the leaders that lead the meeting, if they're there, they have a meeting. And they basically, somebody from Ramsey leadership, maybe Dave himself, had infiltrated a Facebook group of former Ramsey employees and took screenshots, shared them with the team, said these are terrible, horrible people. And also, there are people internally that are giving information, and we're going to find them, and we're going to put a bounty. So if you know who these people are that are leaking information about us, we're going to give you money to turn them in. Mm. Um, and so 
Matthew Paul Turner did an article about it. And I remember being just horrified and embarrassed by the whole thing because it was true. I couldn't say it wasn't true. And it was, it was really scary. It was a scary time. Hmm. What did your husband think of this stuff as he's actually, I mean, you're on the, a little more on the outside looking in, he's on the inside doing the work. What was he thinking? Yeah. He loved his team. He loved doing web development. He wanted Dave to stop talking. Hmm. (laughs) Dave was Hmm. the most stressful part of his job. If he did not have to think, he basically just did not pay attention to what he said or did. He didn't follow him. He's never on social media. He didn't listen to the show. He just was a worker bee and did his work. I um I always knew who Dave Ramsey was. I never got deep uh into his work until maybe like I don't know, maybe 5 or 6 years ago. He he um my local Philadelphia station started syndicating him. So I would listen that night. I mean, yeah, you know, this is I, I at the time I thought, yeah, this stuff is pretty helpful. I know rice and beans, beans and rice, yada yada. Yeah. But then he would yeah. say stuff from like guy kind of sounds like a dick. Like he just kind of sounds like, like a, like a jerk sometimes. And I didn't really know what was going on, going on behind the scenes. And that, and that was shortly after that was when everything kind of blew up with, you know, um, uh, I think a girl who got pregnant out of wedlock, the whole nine. And that was kind of the beginning for me of like, Oh, Mm -hmm. what I, what I thought, you know, by hearing him kind of matches, when did things for you kind of get progressively worse? Cause you mentioned that that you were scared from that comment, but I'm assuming nothing came of that. What was yeah. the next step? Yeah, we started having conversations just about things we felt concerned about over the years on our walks together. And we just hoped that they were just outlying outlier things. Dave was listening to a few people giving him bad advice and that maybe if Dave just would settle down a little bit and not be on Twitter and like, <laughs> yeah. just like, I don't know, settle down. And just get back to like the the mission that things would be okay. But, you know, there was just, they were building a new building. There was a push to make more and more money. Nathan felt more and more like angsty about the ways they were doing that. And like, and, you know, had some concerns and we were willing to talk about them. I didn't make him like go to his leader and not talk to me. Like we talked about Mm -hmm. it. He trusted his, he trusted his boss and he would bring up concerns to him every once in a while because his boss was, his boss listened to him. And um, it was you know, it was a good working relationship. Um, and you know, sometimes, you know, things would change, sometimes they wouldn't. And he would just be like, well, I don't know. I don't always get what I want, but, um, it was like 2000, it was the fall of 2018 when Mm. things were really imploding in the evangelical world with James McDonald, um, Will Hybels. I had watched all that stuff. And there was an article that came out that fall about James McDonald and world magazine. And I read this long article and by the time I got to the done, got done with it, I thought, oh, okay, this guy sounds just like Dave. I cannot, mm. I can't say he doesn't. And I just knew in my heart that at some point I was going to wake up in the morning, turn on my phone and I would see Dave in the news, that there would have been something. And like, it was just, it was not if it would happen, but when it would happen. I just knew, I knew that. And then within like a couple of months, uh, a close friend of mine who was married to a high-profile speaker at Ramsey, she just fell off the radar. She disappeared, and I was really nervous. And because I have a little Nancy Drew in me, and I decided I was going to figure out what was going on, I discovered evidence that the heir apparent to Dave, it looked like he was cheating on his spouse. And he was about Mm. to go on book tour. They had just invested, you know, lots and lots of money into this book and this tour that was supposed to happen. And what now? 
you know, and we can't gossip. And if we get this wrong, what do we do? You know, so Nathan, I talked about it, prayed about for a really, really long time. Um, finally, um, he brought it to his, his boss and then we, his boss was the canary in the coal mine for us. Like we knew that if something was really bad, he would leave. Well, he did with nothing lined Mm. up. And so, you know, like before that guy left, he met with Nathan and said that the, the board knows that you have some similar concerns. They're going to want to meet with you. And so Nathan met with them and they gaslit him. They basically said, things aren't what you think they are. And this guy's worked here for a really, really long time. He cheated on his wife a long time ago. And, you know, you're just going to have to decide to trust us or you know what you need to do. And so Nathan, yeah. Uh, really quick, how strong was the evidence that you had that that this person was maybe being unfaithful to his spouse? Accusations from the other spouse that was being cheated on on mm. social media. Wow. I mean, usually spouses don't do that. Well, <laughs> it was it was sending day, you know? it was it was tweets sending him Bible verses about mm. infidelity and adultery. Mm. Wow! So your husband goes to his leader, not superior. Your that leader ends up leaving, which is kind of like a wake up call for mm-hmm. you both. And then yeah. the board mm-hmm. talks to your husband and kind of reiterates whatever the company languages you know that this happened a long time ago whatever forget about it or kick rocks yeah Yeah. what do you and your husband decide to do from there i think nathan knew i mean we we knew we didn't want to say it but we knew we didn't trust them Hmm. i mean the the only this was the first time it was like confirmed for us in in real time like that actually something terrible had happened and like why were they why were they like defending the guy that dave had already written in his book and said very clearly like if your spouse can't trust you i can't trust you you don't get to work Mm. for me and so why was this guy still there even though he had cheated on his wife while he worked there and we didn't believe that it was only 10 years ago like that did not make sense to us right and so nathan resigned with no job lined up at all. And we were scared and we were quiet for a really long time. Um, I finally connected with my friend. I went to the courthouse. I saw the the records. And about a year after we left, while everybody was locked down on COVID, I wrote about it on my blog post about why Nathan finally left. And I didn't use, I mean, I was very careful about what I said. And um, a friend of ours that was still working there reached out to Nathan like that next day took notes, believed us, and decided to do his own due diligence. And he decided to get his own, get another job. And when he went in to resign, he went and told them, like, I talked to Nathan and Amy. I do not like what you did. I don't like how you covered for this guy. And I went to the courthouse myself. And they basically said, well, it was just oral sex. And, you know, Mm. we had to draw the line somewhere. And... You know, we don't consider oral sex actual adultery. <laughs> when you say when you say that you went to the courthouse, sorry, was there like a legal record of all this stuff? Like, yes, break that because down. Because this us. guy and his wife ended up getting divorced. The speaker for Dave, they were they. So there was divorce proceedings, and divorce records are public. Gotcha. And in 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 the records, that's where you saw like the accusation of, of infidelity. That was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So you post that online on the blog. Someone from Dave Ramsey, you know, employ an employee there picks it up and then yeah. confronts, I guess, leadership with this. And then they admit 
that, well, okay, yeah, it wasn't technically sex. It was just oral sex, which is why we didn't do anything about it. Is that kind of like the story? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now that's kind <laughs> of that frustrating. that scared because- Ramsey. That scared them. Mm. Like they were freaked out. Like this, pu- this is going to become public. And so what they did right after that guy resigned is they gathered all of the digital development team together to say there was like this group of people that had formed in our area, including our family and other families, they were trying to destroy them and take down the company and like take money away from their children and being able to feed their families. Right. While they had that meeting, they were sending cease and desist letters to us to threaten us. Right. I mean, this is kind of like evangelical church, mega church behavior, right? Of like, okay, you lied, you covered something up. You also betrayed your own values. And the person who's trying to hold you to the values that you claim are key to either be employed or attend there, all of a sudden they're the villain and you're turning the whole machine towards them while telling the yeah. people on the inside another lie and trying to make it seem like like these people who are trying to hold you accountable are threatening their way of life, which is, I mean, that is just like part and parcel yeah, this is a, for this is a Satan attacking us. Oh, totally, you don't understand totally. all the details. This was a messy divorce. They're taking the wrong person's side. You don't really get it. I mean, they even had a local pastor there for that meeting where they gathered all the people together to say we had formed a coup. So so, there was a local (sighs) pastor on stage, like giving credence to them. And so while that's happening, uh, you know, our family and several others got threatening letters emailed to us and delivered in person saying you need to stop talking or we are willing to take legal action against you. None of us had signed any non-disclosure or non-disparagement, but we were scared and then totally. like the next day they set up a meeting with my the like the CTO from Ramsey, the chief technology officer from Ramsey, set up a meeting with my husband's new employer because my husband was now working at this new place with a couple other former Ramsey people. And so he decided to malign my husband and these other guys to their new employer and basically say we are willing to take legal action against them and maybe even you if anything <gasps> happens. So Wait, hold on. I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Your husband finds a new job. Uh, a guy from Dave Ramsey. This is Ramsey. like a year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay. And the CTO, chief technical officer or whatever his name is, he yeah. finds where your husband's working, calls their their headquarters and says, hey, just a heads up. This person's here and he's dangerous. And also, we might hold you accountable for anything that happens legally with that person. Yeah, I don't know exactly the words they use, but they definitely communicated that they are willing to take legal action. And there was an intimidation. Wow. This is a startup company, wow. too. It's not like they had a, like a bunch of extra money to just take care of legal right. things. It was wow. terrible. It was it was like Dave. You know, I, I say this. I said this to people. I said it before. Like, I was prepared for something to happen to us. I was not prepared for Dave to go after our friends. Hmm. that was the hard, that was the hard thing. So one of those friends, they decided after all that, they just moved out of town. They just couldn't live here anymore. They went to their pastor, a local pastor and said, Hey, will you go with us to talk to Dave? Will you, uh, we need to know, like, we just want to figure out what is going on. The pastor said, no, Dave's my friend too. 
Wow. Now, there were also some other stories that came out maybe a few years ago about other women who worked there, actually employed by Ramsey. I think one who got – maybe I'm, I'm misspeaking, so please correct me. You you, you know yeah. more, more about this than I do. But I think she got pregnant out of wedlock or something like that and was, was either like – terminated or was threatening termination because she broke yeah. their like their their sex outside of marriage policy. Can you speak more on that as well? Righteous living. Yeah, it's all yeah. connected. Um in in 2020, you know, right after we spoke up and then decided to be quiet for a little while because they threatened us, um, they fired an employee, uh, a single woman who was pregnant because you know, they, they cited their righteous living clause. Now, here we are sitting here thinking, Jesus. you just fired Caitlin because she's pregnant. Basically, they say it's not because she's pregnant, but that's the only reason why they knew because she went and asked right. for FMLA yeah, totally. stuff. Um, and meanwhile, they're covering for a guy who's been cheating on his wife for decades and is like one of the faces of the company. So totally. she sues them. And we're like, this is a big deal because they're going to have to show that they were consistent in withhold in upholding their righteous living values. Right. And uh, what has happened is as this case has gone on and as discovery has happened, it is very clear that they did not. And so when the lawyer was like, we're going to ask for information, employee information about this guy that you covered for that's still there. Suddenly that guy ended up getting fired. Wow. There was new information that came up, I guess. They didn't yeah, know all about the, before. Yeah, oh, we, we missed this part. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, you wow. know, Eli, you've seen this because there's been a lot of reporting by Bob Smetana from Religion News Service. Um, he is who I went to uh, after I decided I was ready to go on the record about it. January of 2021, he wrote an article. And it was like the article heard around the world because for the first time I – can ever remember happening ramsey like responded they gave a response to the journalist when they asked for like a comment before they printed printed it they actually responded and it sounded like dave himself responded in a fit of rage and it was very sarcastic and very horrible it was like oh, yes everything yes. you said is true all these horrible things and then they said we want you to know that we are giving your information to local business leaders and pastors to reach out to you and basically they told all their employees send a note to bob and tell him how awesome we are and it was the response was so horrifying that more people res- resigned from working at ramsey because of ramsey's response in the article itself because they were so embarrassed. So you need to look up the religion news service article by Bob Smetana from January of 2021. It is in the Ramsey response. It, I remember it this will blow your mind. So that happened before the reporting, much of the reporting on the lawsuit. And so now if we follow the lawsuit, we've seen like all the horrible things Dave was saying about people internally, all these things have come out, like things that he said under oath, like about the, the, the wife that had been cheated on, he referred to her as a bitch under oath. Jesus. He said it was too far, it was too sorry, it was too, too bad he could not believe her, that she wasn't credible. Um, I, I found the letter. It's pretty long. It's like four or five paragraphs. I'll just read a little excerpt from um from what the quote public relations person said to this journalist, yeah. Bob. Uh here, here's I'll give you, I'll give you the first two paragraphs. Bob, yeah. 
Thanks for reaching out. We want to confirm for you that you are right. We are horrible, evil people. We exist to simply bring harm to our team, take advantage of our customers, and spread COVID. And you figured it all out. Wow. Who would have guessed that an unemployed guy, oh, I am sorry, a quote, freelance reporter, would be the one to show us how horrible we are so we can change and to let the world know uh, of our evil intent, secrets, and complete disregard for decency. But you did it. You, with all of your top-notch investigative skills, have been have been able to weave together a series of half-truths to expose our evil ways. You are truly amazing. Because your personal virtue is so incredible, we want to help you with your hit piece and confirmation bias. We actually have audio of a time Chris Hogan farted in our church, and you should have a listen. It's truly horrendous. That those are the, that's the first two paragraphs, friends. It only gets worse from there. Imagine yeah, if your CEO sent that, and you having to explain, explain to people that you work for that dude. It's crazy. I mean, it sounds like Dave himself wrote it. I've no, heard totally. That maybe it sound. I've also heard that maybe one of the board members actually wrote it. Uh, but it was horrible. It was like I, I could not believe. I could. I mean, like. It, it it inspired many PR conversations through lots yeah. of companies and like what yeah. what just yeah. happened yeah. yeah and and it just he showed his character you know and yeah. it has just been a you know pardon the pun uh, snowball effect of of bad press about them since then yeah. I mean more and more keeps getting revealed that they have tried to hide. They are, they also ended up in a lawsuit from another employee that um, says that they were fired because she came out as gay um, that ended up being settled because she was in, in the middle of a bankruptcy. And so her bankruptcy trustee forced her to take a settlement to pay off that. But they also are being sued by another former employee that was hired uh, around 2019 or 2020 came in you know, COVID started happening. And before he was hired, he claims that he had asked, are you guys a cult? Because <laughs> I'm not coming to a cult. And so he's basically saying, you guys are, you told me you weren't. Right. And um, so that is the Amos lawsuit. And then most recently they are being, they're being named in a class action lawsuit involving is $150 million involving timeshare exit team situation. Which yeah. Is big. Yeah sponsor for them that they kept promoting, even though they had evidence that timeshare exit team wasn't actually helping people get out of their timeshares. As long as timeshare exit team kept giving Dave money, he kept promoting them. Wow. I mean, so, so what was the effect for you and your husband uh, for both of you at the end of this, right? The dust is settling. You're, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we, we started out, Amy, with, with, you know, rose color. I'm the Lambo ladies admin. Yeah. And also adventure time, right? Like we're moving Minneapolis to Nashville, new start, new career, new job. And here you are now, 2023, you know, obviously you have a great podcast, but it did not go how you thought. What was the effect (laughs) for you and and your husband, like after the the dust settled on your faith, on on your emotional health, et cetera? You know, yeah, this isn't my dream. This isn't a dream come true. I did not dream that we would move to Nashville and then end up in 2023 being in community with a thousand families that probably view me as an agent of Satan. That is yeah. not my dream. Um, it was not my dream that I would get served with with uh, a subpoena to be deposed in the lawsuit regarding the gal who got pregnant. Um but I did get to hire my dream lawyer, Boss Chavichin, to sit with me for my deposition. Um, 
I think part of their thing is they assume, you know, they decided their argument there is that I planned the whole thing. Amy Fritz, mm. who has spoken against us, must have told this gal to get pregnant and get fired and then sue them. I don't know. So I ended up, that's, so it's not my dream. But I decided yeah. at a certain point, what is the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that's going to happen has already happened. I want to speak the truth. I don't want to be one of those people that sees the truth and doesn't say anything. And then people later say, if you had only said something, if you'd only yeah. spoken up, I could have been saved from X, Y, Z. Plus, I love Jesus. And I believe in the Christian church. And this is not Jesus. And I, I think yeah. people that claim the name of Jesus should be the ones that shine a light on the dark places in their own community and don't just say they're not one of us. No, they are. They say they're one of us. They're one of us. And it's not right. Yeah. And so it, it has inspired me to, I mean, it's not an easy place to live, you know, where you you want to hold nuance and you want to, you know, still remember everybody's a human and, yeah. and able to be redeemed. Um, but, you know, I guess that we're in this place of like, you know what? We are disillusioned. We don't follow Christian leaders and celebrities or have a real disdain for them. Um, but we feel like we've been rescued. We feel yeah. like we've been rescued from following the wrong voices. Mm. It was a painful rescue. <laughs> and I just, in starting my podcast, I wanted to provide a community for people to feel like anti-gaslit. My friend Emily said that. And people to understand like, you know, we love Jesus, but we also see that there are some problems and we want to make this a better place. Bob Schmitana talks about that in his reorganized religion book. Um, you know, we want to make the place less terrible. Let's make it better. And so that's what I'm about. Well, I love that. I mean, Amy, I appreciate you sharing the story. I'm glad that you have, you know, in a weird roundabout way, found like a new passion for the work that you're doing now, even though there was probably a lot of pain and scary days and nights yeah. to kind of get, you know, stories that, you know. like this are really long. So I've got like, I don't know, eight episodes on my podcast that people want to listen to the whole drawn out thing. So I believe it. I mean, these stories are complicated, right? And like, how do you yeah. tell all the nuance in one sitting? So where, where, where can folks find your podcast and what's it called? Okay. So my podcast is called the Untangled Faith Podcast. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts by looking for Untangled Faith. I have a website, untangledfaithpodcast.com. Um, I'm ridiculously easy to find on all the social medias. So just look up for, look for Amy Fritz or Untangled Faith. You will find me. I will welcome you. Um, we have a beautiful beauty of broken community. You know, it's a community yeah. of the broken. And I think you get that, you know, at the new evangelicals, like we are our own little community wanting to make our faith communities better places, you know, yeah. One blog yeah. post, one podcast, one yes. conversation at a time. Yes, one step at a time. Absolutely. Uh, Amy, it really was great having you and, and for having you share your story. Thanks for being vulnerable on the podcast. And I'm welcome. sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, let's do this again. I'm in. 